to another episode of That's a Wrap Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jay Rosales. I'm joined by my co-host, Dre. Our lovely producer, Jason, cannot join us today, but he is with us in spirit. And Dre, we have had a very, very interesting week. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. And just for listeners at home, uh, Jason is not injured like pretty much everybody else in <laughs> basketball history. So um, thank goodness for that. No, he just needed he just needed some time, which is which is perfectly fine. Um, yeah, this has both been a very slow week, but a very hectic week at the same time, depending on what angle you're looking at. So we are still in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, the only team to advance so far by the time of this recording are the Phoenix Suns. Otherwise, we're looking at a Game 7 between Brooklyn and Milwaukee. We're looking at possible eliminations between the Clippers and the Utah Jazz. As and well. the Sixers. Oh, uh, boy. Uh, the Sixers and the Hawks, yes. Yeah. So the Hawks are ahead and the Clippers are ahead. So who knows what's going to happen. This is a very interesting year. Um, but nonetheless, uh, Let's, I guess, let's just get right into it. So, again, this week has been very slow in terms of the playoffs. There's been very little movement. Exciting games, very exciting games. But uh, the Phoenix Suns advanced. They did ages ago. We're still waiting on who's going to be next. But the off-season stuff for the other teams wow. has been catastrophic, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's I I know that you're we're kind of saying this tongue in cheek that it's been a slow week because it's actually been quite the opposite. Right. I mean, between the drama that's been happening on the court, if we think about Kevin Durant's almost 50 point triple double Mm -hmm. to carry the Nets to a three two lead to Chris Paul's uh, and the Suns masterful performance in sweeping the Nuggets, there's been some great action on the court. But off the court, it's just been insane. And, I, you know, if you think about where we were sitting last week with with the Suns looking at sweeping the Nuggets, and now this week, Chris Paul is out due to COVID-related, possibly whether it's just contact tracing or actually contracting COVID himself. Like, I've, I've heard conflicting reports here. One is saying that he has contracted it, and also Shams did tweet out that one person in the NBA has contracted COVID. But others are saying that it might not be him. It's just contact tracing. I don't know. But that's important because it it defines how long he's going to be out for. And I think we should probably start with with that before we get into all the injuries. But Dre, what, what were your thoughts on on CP being announced as as someone who's who's going to be out indefinitely with with COVID related issues? For the longest time, people have said Chris Paul will be one of the greatest players to never win a ring. And that could easily change this year. This is the first year, I think, in his entire career, entire career, where it looks actually promising. I the totally furthest, agree. The furthest he's ever gotten was with the Rockets, but that was when Golden State had a dynasty. That's not around anymore. The Suns actually look like the strongest team in the West presently. So that's mightily unfortunate. And... Um, all I could say is I hope I hope Utah and the Clippers go to Game Seven because one of two things will happen: either the Jazz are going to force a Game Seven and then win, and they're going to obliterate the Suns. I think without oh, Chris wow. Paul, without Bold Chris statement. Paul, without Chris Paul, I think they will obliterate the Suns. So he would need to get back. But with Chris Paul, that's a different story. That's going to be neck and neck. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, no, I hear you. And it's it's such an interesting thing because, again, we're working off of a uh, an undefined timeline here, right? If it's contact tracing, he could very well be ready. You know, uh, let, let's go through the scenario you just suggested, right? If, if yeah. Utah and then Clippers go seven, game one of, of the Western Conference Finals doesn't start till I believe it's Wednesday or Thursday. So that's a good week. If it's contact tracing, Chris Paul, I think, could be back in time. If it is not contact tracing or if he's out for any longer than one or two games then yes i agree with you that phoenix is in a bit of trouble here their their floor general is not there to to manage them through these you know in all honesty like these are new waters for everyone on that suns team except for chris paul and you know you bring up that series with golden state a couple of years ago and i gotta say like 
my heart went out to him because that was they were up three two. He he went down in that injury, and it was like, man, the the it almost felt like the the basketball gods were working against him. And if that's the case now, that's just cruel. That's yeah. just totally unfair. And I'm hoping for a speedy recovery. I'm hoping he's able to play. And you know, you again, you you when you bring up the the Jazz Clippers series. They also have their own set of injuries to worry about themselves. Yeah. And I think that's a good segue to talk about what that series is looking like right now because Mike Conley still hasn't played a single game in that series. Mm-hmm. There was hope that he would play in game five. He didn't. There's hope again that he could play tonight in game six. And I should remind everyone that we are recording this Friday morning. So sometime today we'll hear that Conley is in or out for, for game six. But on a much larger scale is the absence of Kawhi Leonard. He has a an ACL injury. And the second you hear those first three letters, you cringe because if it's a tear, that's bad news and he'll be out for a lot longer than just the playoffs. If it is not a tear, if it's a strain, there's a possibility he'll be back for the Western Conference Finals should the Clippers make it there. So a lot to talk about there in terms of the injury front and you know, we're not even talking about the basketball itself and how Paul George carried the Clippers really to uh, a, a very impressive Game Five victory in Utah. So I, I don't know where you want to start with the series, uh, the injury front or the actual games themselves. What are your thoughts on on Jazz Clippers so far and and where how this could end up? Well, the one thing I want to do is wrap up my previous thought, which is by saying there's a one other path that this series could take is that the Clippers actually do pull it off in six or seven games without Kawhi, and then they meet the Suns. So that'll be a very interesting matchup because both will be hobbling. So if the Suns do get Chris Paul back during this series, I feel like they're going to pull through against a weakened Clippers. If the Clippers somehow make it through to the finals, whatever Eastern team they're facing, they're going to get destroyed. And... So, so so wait hold on hold, hold on to that thought then mm-hmm. so let's assume for a second that that um Kawhi is out for the playoffs let's just say that i'm assuming because, that already yeah yeah an acl injury is is not a good, especially with his injury history so i guess two questions then a do you think they can get by the jazz and b if they do get by the jazz could they get by the suns if paul were to like how many games would paul need to miss for the clippers to get by the Suns. Well, the problem is the Jazz, as we learned in this last game without Kawhi, the Jazz live and die by the three. That first half, I think they had like 17 threes. And in the second, it took like a full, I don't even know how long, close to 30 minutes for Bogdanovich to finally hit a three. Like everybody else was bricking. Mitchell was bricking. Um, Clarkson was breaking, like just everybody was off. It was like they moved the net a foot to the right. That's not always going to happen, but it is something that they need to figure out right away because if that happens again, and you've got some great like uh, defenders on the Clippers, like Patrick Beverly, who I know was well past his prime, but the guy's a maniac. The guy is is clearly going to try and like get to everybody who who's going to try and shoot a three. Like that that's big so if you're already struggling with Patrick Beverly what are you going to do against Chris Paul what are you going to do against you know the the Suns defense where Aiden is going to go toe-to-toe with Gobert that's the big question when it comes to the Jazz I I don't know if the Clippers make it through and Chris Paul is still not ready this could be a very very strange okay let me throw a number then let me throw a number out there let's say Chris Paul misses the first two games yeah so that they they would have phoenix would have home court against the clippers so he would miss the two home games but be back in time to face in staples center so like they missed the first two games does the do the clippers walk away with a split and that's good enough to get a foothold on this or are they are they sweeping both of those games if, if chris paul's not around right I don't think it's going to be a sweep because that would take a lot of credit away from the other fantastic players on the Clippers, like Booker, who's having a hell of a season. Like at this point, if the Clippers, or sorry, the Suns, if the Suns were able to win the entire... Sorry, and I I meant sweep is in just those first two games. That's what I meant. Oh, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I know. That that would still, I don't think it would still be like a sweep at home. 
So if the Suns were to win the championship this year, I honestly don't know who would be getting finals MVP until we get there. Like, it's not set in stone. It could be Book. It could be Paul. I don't know. It could be Aiden for all we know, depending on who they face. Like, if they face the Bucks and, and Aiden shuts down Giannis and, and Lopez, like, who knows? Like, it's that kind of a team. So, again, that would take a lot of credit away from what we're seeing in Devin Booker, who I think is safe to say is one of the most underrated players in the league right now. Like, where is his acclaim? Where are his All-Stars? Where is his... uh? Is all NBA like like this is insane, you know? Like for all of these years, the guy's been slept on. Aiden's been slept on. Chris Paul himself, to a degree, has been slept on. I feel like they are a really good team, very well coached team. If that bubble run didn't tell us anything, it's that they have a hell of a coach behind them. So, if it sounds really weird, I actually don't know how those home games could go. The Suns could win both of them, even without Paul. They could lose yeah. both of them. I don't know because you're looking at a really well-run team against a Clippers team, which doesn't have nearly as good of a coach, but Tyron Lue's doing okay. They don't have Kawhi, but they have a lot of other really good players. So I actually can't predict that. But if I had to, if I had like the death right pointed at Earth, uh, Max Kellerman style, um, <laughs> I would say it would be split 1-1. Because like, what else can yeah. I say? Yeah, no, it, it's true. And it is, it's, it's wonderful to think about because it's, there's so many different factors at play here. And, you know, you, you mentioned the fact that the Jazz managed to hit 17 threes. 17 is a very interesting number here because outside of that very first game where they flopped against the, the Grizzlies, the Jazz have hit at least 17 threes in every single playoff game during these playoffs. They are, even even in games where they've lost to the Clippers, they've yes, they have lost the last three, but in all three of them, they've hit at least 17 threes. That's amazing if you consider how hard it is to get to that number even once in a game during the season. They've hit it in all but one of their games yet. So it's it's amazing that they live and die by three, but they also are quite effective at hitting those threes. I think what we're seeing is not so much that the Jazz are not hitting enough threes or not taking enough threes and relying on such a uh, – relying on just that weapon. But I think it's also the Clippers' adjustment in their lineup, right? I, I thought that this would be a lineup where, all right, we're going to see Zubac versus Gobert and see how they grind it out. But no, it, it hasn't been the case at all. They've gone mm-hmm. small since game three, I believe. Teron Lewis made the right adjustments there. And they've really solved the, the Jazz's – spread offense there and I think that I was kind of hoping that you know especially without Kawhi that they would pounce and and figure out a way to get get around the Clippers defense and they haven't and the fact that they haven't makes me think that they the Clippers can actually pull this off and I think lost in all of this is that this would be their first trip to the conference conference finals it's (laughs) incredible absolutely incredible that this is what it's going to be but We'll see how things go. It, it really is edge of your seat uh, uh, viewing. But I actually want to transition over to another injury or maybe even two injuries to talk about. And that's over on the Eastern Conference with Kyrie Irving's sprained ankle. It looked really bad. Um, I think and, he's out for the rest of the playoffs. Unless they make the finals, I think he's out, out. Yeah, yeah. And and, and you, I think we see this in every playoffs, right? It, it is the will he or won't he play for a superstar coming back from an injury where, you know, if this was the regular season, of course, they'd be sitting for weeks. Yeah. But this is the playoffs. This is the finals and, and, and whatnot. I'm, I, part of me is a little... I'm wondering why Giannis didn't get a flagrant called on him. That he It looked like by the replays that he did place his leg underneath Kyrie Irving's landing, but mm-hmm. I guess the NBA felt like that was not on purpose. Um, but get back to the original point about Irving here, his loss is huge. And, you know, we I mentioned it off the top that Katie needed a, a, like a really classic all-timer game to pull out a close victory over the Bucks. And then when he doesn't do that, which was the case last night, the Bucks came through with a fairly easy double-digit victory. So, yeah. What say you about Game Seven and and the injuries and I don't know, does Harden even look like he's a hundred percent to you? Like where where do you sit on Game Seven? Uh, Harden doesn't look like he's a hundred percent. What's interesting though is that Griffin is is pulling out yeah. as much as he can. So that's been the surprise here, where it's like he's been as reliable as you can get for his age, his history. You know, you bring up 
Kevin Durant's nearly 50-point triple-double, which was a game for the ages. And obviously, he can't do that every night. In fact, yesterday, he looked gassed, which Kevin Durant gassed is, like, still 30 points and whatever. So, like, it's it's still fine. But the other side of this coin is it's not so much that the Nets didn't come to play, which they were gassed. Harden's still not 100%. It's that Chris Middleton finally did. Like, Chris Middleton played a hell of a game yesterday. And here's the thing. Who are you going to rely more on to have great games like this? Kevin Durant or Chris Middleton? That's, That's what I'm saying. So that's why I'm still a little suspect or a little suspicious about what this Game 7 is going to look like. The Bucks have a chance, but I would not put it past the Nets because, like, still at the end of the day, the Nets with that caliber of a team knocked down a few pegs are still the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant, James Harden, Blake Griffin, Kyrie Irving, who's sitting out, of course, but that's still better than most teams in the league, even if James Harden is 60%, Kyrie is out. Blake Griffin is whatever, a shell of his former self. Still Blake Griffin. And Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant is insane. Kevin Durant is like as if he was never injured. So I don't, crazy. I don't know. Truly remarkable. I, I, I honestly don't know. I could honestly think that both teams could do well. Now, having said that, what's going to happen the next round? I feel like whoever wins this is going to make it to the finals because you're looking at a Sixers team which is unfortunately getting exposed. If they can't deal with Trey Young, okay, they don't have Kyrie, but then they're going to have James Harden. So how are they going to face them? If they can't handle Trey Young, how are they supposed to handle, you know, if Middleton goes off or or Drew Holiday? Like they they have a problem with with the Hawks offense exposing their defense and so that's the Sixers, the Hawks themselves are the great underdog story of 2021 they're not gonna pass against the bucks or the the or the nets if they do if this hawks team makes the finals we didn't think they'd make it this far right i know three wins against the sixers like and they could easily make it to the conference finals so trey young would be like the most disrespected person in the league if that happened like like zero zero credit during the season so who knows? But I just can't foresee whoever makes it out of this this bracket beating either the Nets or the Bucks. So the Nets could make it to the finals for the first time since when was it the Kobe years? <laughs> yeah, and you know it's funny. I don't know if I if I can go as far as you've gone. Like I think before maybe a couple of days ago, I would have said yes. I agree with you 100. percent Probably even before the series. Second round even started. I would agree with you 100% that Nets Bucks winner is probably your your finals contender. But the way all four teams have played in the East, you could make a case that all four of them have a shot still, right? Yeah. And and it's it really is highly highly entertaining basketball. And you add in the fact that there are now crowds, right? And I I don't know about you, but when I was watching Game Five of the Sixers Hawks, I don't know if you caught it, but like. There were, I mean, the Boobirds were out. Uh, Collins was was getting the crowd hyped, but it's not even his home arena. Like that's how many Hawks fans were there. It was it was crazy to see. Yeah, and I I can't believe we're at this point now. You know, and and that the Hawks are one home game away from getting past the the number one seed in the East. I mean, this would I don't know what the ramifications would be for this team. Moving forward, if they don't get past the Hawks, it will be extraordinary to watch as a Raptors fan. And Simmons is gone. A, that's that's yeah. That's the thing is like who's gone, right? Like you could, I could see Embiid like expressing some disinterest, right? Like you could see a lot of different things happening. But you know, first things first. You know, Hawks have got to get past them, but they've already shown it three different times, and two of them on epic comebacks. So, you know, I was going to wrap up this section to talk about you know how injuries have affected the schedule. And I think that we we can both agree that the shortened schedule has been just a nightmare for every team involved. And it really is a case of more so than last year, that the winner of the championship, the team that will host Larry OB is probably the team that experiences the least amount of injuries or setbacks. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. The team that has suffered the least is probably the Hawks. I'm not saying they're going to be the champions. I'm just saying that a lot of things are falling in place for them to to get to this stage. And, you know, tonight, game six in Atlanta should be must-watch TV. I cannot wait. Um, but we also need to move forward on this pod. And, and, you know, unless you have any last thoughts here, I was going to move over to the 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 front office talks and on all that's happened there was any last thoughts you've got about injuries or or how this second round will 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 play out well i had a thought but i'm gonna trade it for trades so let's talk trades. oh oh you know yeah you, you, you that's right let's talk about trades and yeah. this is it, it's odd and I, I don't even know how to segue into this because i am absolutely dumbfounded by the news this morning that Woj dropped with a trade in the middle of the playoffs. So first of all, I'm thinking, are possible? trades even allowed to happen? Like, <laughs> I thought, <laughs> I thought after the trade deadline and until the moratorium is is opened in 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 the off season, there aren't supposed to be trades. But apparently there are, and there has been a blockbuster. Kemba is going to the Thunder along with, and this is important, along with the number sixteenth pick in this very stacked draft. Returning is Al Horford as well as a couple of, I believe, a second rounder, as well as uh, an intriguing prospect in Moses Brown. What were your thoughts, Dre, on on hearing this news? Um, yeah, and, and how do you think this is going to play out for both teams? This And uh, one final note, this is also Brad Stevens' first move as a GM. So, yes. or, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on this blockbuster trade? It's almost hilarious that this is like the first thing Brad Stevens did as a GM because it's almost like, right, let's get down to business. I miss you, Al, Al Horford. Come back. Kemba, <laughs> Kemba, <laughs> yourself. You can go yeah, yeah, exactly. like, it's almost like the, the, the airing of grievances of a coach. <laughs> but, um, no, in, in all seriousness, look, Al Horford is not who he once was. However, they, they need or they needed a center, and it looks like they're certainly trying to trying to fix their big man position over there. Um, Kemba just wasn't working out. The guy's just injured too often now. Unfortunately, he's been banished to that hideous loves-clad jersey wasteland of, of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, that team's going to be... It looks like... I don't understand the Thunder. I feel like they are just going to be in rebuild mode for an eternity with the way that they're trying to like plan everything out. Like you, you have enough picks. You have enough picks. You have enough washed-up people. Just figure it out already. I think this is, despite what I just said about Horford, I think it's more of a win for for Boston because that's the unloading of this contract. It's trying to figure out the big position. It's uh, a capacity for other moves that they might need to do in this offseason. So, again, I don't even know how this is doable. Even if it's, like, not going to happen until the doors are opened, how can they still talk about this? I don't... I know. It seems very odd. It does seem very odd, right? And usually there are discussions about trades closer to the draft, if anything, right? There are definitely trades around the draft, but... um, this this news is is mind boggling because at least at a glance it is Boston is trading away the best player and the best draft pick in this trade for the flexibility of unloading a an immensely over well I wouldn't say immensely overpaid but a huge albatross of a contract and it just it's it's also astonishing to me not only that Al Horford is returning to Boston but that his incredible contract is actually not the salary dump in this trade so it's it really is it's it's amazing to see on so many levels personally as as you know a huge hater of all things celtics this is great to watch in terms of (laughs) them not pulling getting anything of more value from the contract of kemba walker i'm pretty sure if they waited a little bit longer they probably could have gotten more value but I guess this is what they felt was the best. Uh, again, an interesting prospect in Moses Brown, um, Al Horford on his last legs. So I guess that's okay. Moses but Brown is the most interesting part of this. He is. He absolutely is. Uh, it, but I almost have him on the same level as like, like Freddie Gillespie. Like there, there was all this hype about this. This uh, there, there, there was his relative unknown, 
brought into the team on on like a 10-day contract and all of a sudden he blossomed into this uh amazing center who really surprised us and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of how i feel like with moses brown maybe i'm diminishing how good of a shot blocker he is and the defender he is but at the same time like that's that's not enough value and, and now what's also set up in okc is shay gilchrist alexander is really like I don't know how this affects him, right? Because yes, he can play off the ball a little bit more now, but I kind of like him with the ball. I kind of like him being the one who creates. So yeah, I like bringing maybe it he up. Is. Yeah, so it's it's really odd, uh, an odd match of things, right? So it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I I I just think that if if Presti is still eager to pick up draft picks, he's it's it's diminishing returns at this point right he has i believe eight picks in this year's draft so what are you going to do are you going to offer several picks to move up a slot are you going to offer several picks to pick up a player at some point it's just going to be you have actually too many here so i think it's already there like how many picks do you need like your team right now your team right now as it stands looks almost like the free agency if you go to like nba 2k these these names you don't know this 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 list of ghosts Plus Shea Gilgis. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, this looks like the Bobcats, like when you start a brand new team. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, just mm-hmm. do something with these picks. Get a team together. And just, it's also ironic that it's the Celtics they made the pick with because that's what Danny Ainge was known for, was hoarding all these assets <laughs> and not doing anything with them. So, right. outstanding stuff out of Boston. Um, but staying on the, the the front of front offices, Lots of movement on on the front office office front. We've got the Wizards parting with Scott Brooks. We've got the Pelicans parting with St- Stan Van Gundy, and the one I want to start off with you, of course, <laughs> you Dallas Mavs fan. You yes is what's happening in Dallas. Donnie Nelson is gone. Rick Carlisle is gone. What is happening? There, there is all kinds of uh, discomfort around Luka Doncic and. Bob Vulgaris and I don't even know where to start. Uh, where where do you land with Dallas and, and what they're doing? Frankly, it looks like they, despite their um, regular season ranking, they weren't quite where they needed to be. So I feel like, look, I love Rick Carlisle. He he helped bring that championship in 2011, which was, uh, God, at this point, it's 10 years old. Jeez. Um, wow. He didn't always make the greatest moves. And... I also think Kristaps Porzingis, otherwise known as Tingus Fingus, I think that he, <laughs> yeah, I think that Tingus Fingus is um, a little bit overpaid, but I also think he's underplayed. Like, I don't think, I don't think he's, he's all that, but I do think that he was misused. And part of that comes from the coaching. So when you have this, this fresh new face of the franchise, who could be the fresh new face of the entire league, you're not if you're Cleveland and you get LeBron James and he's not feeling the Cavaliers the first two years or so you're not going to get rid of him you're going to try and do everything to keep him so I feel like part of that was the boneheaded coaching displays which resulted in a lot of given leads that that the Mavericks had last season a lot of collapses and Luka could only do so much on his own Anybody can. Like most players in the history of the league cannot just single handedly save their team time and time and time and time and time again, unless you're LeBron James or one or two other people. So, you know, Luca can only do so much. It's only his third year going into his fourth. They're going to try and structure a championship team around this. And part of that comes with the coaching. When you make enough bad plays, I guess that's the problem. And it's not rick carlisle as a whole but there's just enough gaps in his coaching style where and this has been going on for years even before um the the Doncic years where things could have been a little bit better and tighter with the coaching this isn't like doc rivers levels of he was just in the right place right time with his team no you needed a good coach to get a jason kid past his prime uh, Jason Terry, uh, Tyson Chandler utilized properly. Nobody else on earth has utilized Tyson Chandler like he was on the Mavericks. So just because you're a great coach once, that doesn't mean you're always a great coach. You have to keep it up. 
I feel like that's all that it was. It was time to try and see who else they could bring on board to try and fix this. But, you know, as you said, St- uh, Stan Van Gundy is gone from the Pelicans. The, the Blazers have parted, have parted ways as well. The Celtics. Celtics still don't have a coach. Pacers don't have a coach. Magic yeah. don't have a coach. Yeah. There are a lot of coaching vacancies out there. And I, I am all for... Coach. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, someone in these play, at least one coach in these playoffs that are still alive is going to be out as a coach. And a lot of the first-timers, Kyron Liu, Doc Rivers, Steve Nash, they're all first-timers with their team. With 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 their respective clubs, yes. Exactly. I mean, so they could, yeah. that, that's what's frightening, so... Right, and and let's stay on the, on the fact of, of Stan Van Gundy because I think it ties in well with what's happening in Dallas. So Stan Van Gundy is out as coach after only a year, and there are reports that there was a lot of, uh, how do we say this? Zion's family was not very happy with Stan Van Gundy and the way they were he was using and coaching Zion. So just to tie this in with what you were saying about Doncic and making him happy, look what the Pelicans are doing here in order to make sure Zion is happy, right? And this is another level to that, make your superstar happy. And, you know, we're seeing it in Dallas, we're seeing it in, in New Orleans, and it's it, it does create a lot of friction there in the coaching circles, right? Because, you know, you... you it's almost like you you always feel like you have to look over your shoulder, right? And I think the best way to keep your job is to keep your superstars happy because they're the ticket to Larry O'Brien glory, right? So I it, it's very fascinating to watch. Um, personally, I, I like the fact that with all these coaching vacancies, it really does I mean, I will be shocked upset frustrated if these seven vacancies or six vacancies are not filled by at least one female yeah i i will say though if of of those you know retreads or or those who were recently coaching that are available i do think carlisle is should be hired somewhere and i think somewhere else yeah i think in his in his 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 note that he tweeted out or or his statement he did say something to the effect of excited for his next chapter so i doubt that means retirement i have a feeling that is something still tied to coaching whether it's with team usa whether it's with another team i would tend to think that it's with another team just because of how many vacancies there are out there and how many people are going to call him because to your point he was masterful in that 2011 championship run, mm-hmm. and he still does masterful things today. So uh, I I would guess that he's not going to be unemployed for long, but I also hope that the coaching vacancies do get filled by one of the very capable women who have been out there, and their name's been floating around for as long as Becky Hammond has been around, but there's also yeah. Teresa Weatherspoon within the Raptors organization. There's Brittany Donaldson, who I would guess is at least a candidate for the 905 role. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's great to see. It's ex- it's actually an exciting time, despite all of these uh, these coaches losing their jobs. Um, before we, we, we head into break, are, are there any... I know that this question has been floating around, and I'm going to kind of put you on the spot oh, here. But can, I, can I talk about the, the yeah. vacancies? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, I, I and this is going to get me in hot water, but I don't care. So, oh, do it, do it. This is juicy. So, I know there's a big argument. Don't just hire somebody based on their gender or their or their race. That has to be who's qualified. So, riddle me this: Do you think Steve Clifford on the Magic is super duper qualified? Do you think uh, Jason Kidd, when he was on the Bucks and stymieing players like Giannis, do you think he was qualified? When it comes to this whole coaching thing, there are a lot of coaches who might be good, but not necessarily top qualifications for this position. So I just want to remind people of that, if that's their go-to resort, to, to try and shut out people who aren't white men from coaching. Are they actually qualified? That's a good question. Are the same people we keep recycling all qualified? Because I would argue a lot of these coaches aren't that we have had over the years, I would argue a lot of them are not. And that's all I'm going to say about that. It is, it is it very well said. And it is troubling, at least to me, to 
constantly see Jason Kidd's name pop up in almost every coaching vacancy. He's not he a great like, head coach. He is not. He is not. He simply is not. Uh, so again, I, I would, I, and that's kind of where I was going with, I would be upset if I didn't see, even if it's not, a, uh, okay, yeah, I, I stand by my statement that I would be upset if I don't see at least one female grab a job. But at the same time, it's more so about seeing new faces, right? Yeah. And it's, uh, let's use the example of Nate Bjorkren. It's unfortunate that it didn't work out for him in Indiana, but I, I, I feel like putting money down that he will end up back on Nick Nurse's staff, considering there are now three available spots with Chris Finch gone and with Nate, uh, with um, Sergio Scariolo going to Italy. We will miss you, Sergio, yeah. um, and we wish you great luck in Italy. But there are vacancies now in in this uh, coaching staff, so I'm. The assistant tree, I, I don't mind if there are some retreads there for from a consulting standpoint and whatnot. But yeah, let's let's bring in some new faces because you know it it is an evolving NBA and some fresh new voices might be the ticket to a championship. So uh, yeah, it's it's I'm not gonna even bother with my my putting you on the spot. I think what you said was was a great way of wrapping up the segment and going into break. But uh, on the other side of the break, we've got more basketball talk, so sit tight. So this pod has been about 40 minutes almost, and uh, Giannis has still not taken his foul shot. So we're going to be all <laughs> night. Um, James Harden is ready to like leave the planet. So I uh, know this, this is a uh, troubling times, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny you bring that up. I think my favorite, one of my favorite memes in this whole, uh, the, the playoffs was, was about, or I think it was a tweet about, you know, you have a uh, one free throw to save your life or whatever. Who'd you rather, Giannis or Ben? And my favorite tweet was Giannis, because at least I get a chance to say goodbye to my family and friends. <laughs> actually, I... actually, similarly, somebody actually spliced together Giannis without slowing it down or anything, actually taking a foul shot and Usain Bolt completing a 100 meter sprint, <laughs> and it's actually faster. Usain Bolt is actually faster than Giannis taking a foul shot, and that's not a joke. Amazing. <laughs> well, you know, th- this is the, the, the joy of the NBA. It's not just about what's on the court. It's what's off of the court and what, what Twitter keeps keeps bringing us. So thank you for that. Thank you for joining us today. I mean, we've had an action-packed first half of the, the episode. And on the second half, we've got some Raptors news, actually. And Dre, I'm hoping, you know, you, you, you've got quite a bit of knowledge here on the NFT front. And we we heard earlier in this year about Top Shot and mm-hmm. how it kind of was a huge craze. Kyle Lowry is now jumping on this with a, a new NFT that he announced yesterday on the anniversary of the championship parade. Do you have, could you share with us what you know about Lowry's new NFT? What is it? What is this about? Okay. So for those who don't know, NFT stands for non-fungible token. Um, typically, because this is what I do for my, my day job, I discuss NFTs and blockchain. Um, typically, my clients have like a little bit of knowledge of this stuff before they approach me. Um, I'll try my best to explain it like as if you're like a five-year-old, which is essentially how this can work for, for some because it's such a foreign concept. 
So fungible means that you can see like something that's worth $5 and you could trade it $5 and the cash works the same way backwards and forwards. Or $5 could be split into $2 and however many cents, like it's still the same value. Non-fungible is a little bit different. It's like if you look at like 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 a used car or something, that's considered non-fungible. But to bring that into a digital as- aspect, it's almost like a completely different thing. It's basically, um, I don't know if I'm expressing this right. It's it's as if it's a digital asset or artwork or a- artifact or model. It, it itself is worth its value in its digital currency. And its uniqueness is one of a kind. And it inherits its value, retains it within the blockchain, which a blockchain is a, a, a type of, a type of security, a type of software where the way I, I liken a blockchain is a series of cubes, hence a blockchain, each face stores information. And if somebody tries to hack said blockchain, it slices off that face or, or entire cube so nothing else could be approached, nothing else could be harmed. So it's very secure, but at the same time, it's this linear receipt of information. Similarly, the NFT, the non-fungible token, would have such a linearity as well that's stored within it. So, or uh, it, it would be stored on a blockchain, I mean. So, also, great, great explanation. Like, I've, I've always found it difficult to try to explain. It's, I NFTs don't even think I did a good job. Like, it's so hard. <laughs> it is, it is difficult, but there is a lot of money in it, a lot. So, kudos to Kyle Lowry for jumping on this because, you know, he's, he's at the forefront of this. Uh, he's jumping on this early and, I imagine he's going to make a ton of money on his NFT. So if you've got it pulled up, uh, feel free to explain it to the to Yeah, the so what this looks like is like a 3D moving plaque with, with animations. It's it's It looks like a portrait of Kyle Lowry himself wearing some shades. There's some like uh, birds flying around. It's got like the championship tour buses. Oh, what are those gates called in, in Toronto? The uh, CNE, like the Princess Gates? The Princess Gates, yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's the trophy right in the middle. What I can explain this as, and this could be the easiest way, not all NFTs, but this particular one, people who loved Harry Potter and they're reading those books or mag- or like newspapers where it's like the moving pictures, that they're, they're real now, basically. They're digital, though. And that's what this is. It's like a moving artifact with, with separate components and this whoever purchases it will have the one sole copy of this it sounds like either that or he'll have oh seven unique pieces it says so seven unique pieces which will contain their own versions of metadata uh will be stored on the blockchain with your information uh you know like the transaction i mean stored within it and basically this is something that you can only get through specific markets like open like open sea where you can't really buy this anywhere else because it just doesn't exist or function anywhere else and it's it's very interesting a lot of athletes are 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 starting to do this because it's uh sports has a lot of collectibles there's stats there are trading cards figurines uh memorabilia jerseys nfts was only bound to happen so i already know a ton of other um a ton of other athletes are participating in NFTs and you know, it was only a matter of time that we would get a Toronto Raptor who would be interested. So Kyle Lowry, here he is. And yeah, no, it's, it's really is. If, if you haven't seen the tweet, it really is quite eye catching. And I, I like that you use the reference there of, of Harry Potter, because this is essentially what it is, right? It, it's a moving piece of digital art. And I would love to own a piece of this. I realize that, you know, uh, there are no quote unquote dollar amounts uh, attached to this yet. And that will be released on June 29th at 6.30 p.m. through through Maker's Place. But I also imagine that all of the people who want to get a piece of this, who want to pick up one of these seven unique pieces, there's going to be a little bit of luck involved, right? And and. Mm-hmm. and I think about this in in comparison to what I was saying earlier about Top Shot, where there are people who want 
to get their own packs of Top Shot. But a, a, again, a bit of that is a bit of luck in terms of getting in line in time, making sure you grab one before it all runs out. So the reason why I keep saying the word luck is because the Raptors are hoping for their own form of luck. This coming Tuesday, the draft lottery is taking place. And ever since that nine-game losing streak in the middle of March that led to the trade of Norm Powell, it's all been it's all going to culminate on Tuesday because the second we hit that nine-game losing streak, all signs were pointing to a, a, a kind of a semi-tank and that the team would be looking to cash in on a very stacked NBA draft. They did end up with the seventh best odds, but they do have an opportunity to jump into the top four if the lottery balls fall their way. So just as a quick reminder, the Raptors have a 7.5% chance of grabbing the number one spot, but their chances jump up to the 30% range just to get into that top four. The reason I bring up all these numbers and the reason why I keep saying the word luck is because the Raptors need a little bit of luck here to get into the top four because anyone in that top four, I got to tell you, it'll be franchise altering. So here's hoping that things work out on Tuesday. Dre, is there anything that you feel like you would need on a superstitious level? Like, is there anything that you're going to have with you on Tuesday when that lottery happens that the Raptors get a top four pick? I'm weird when it comes to superstition because I don't honestly really like believe in anything but in that same breath if something bad happens i'll be like oh it's because i did this it's weird so like i feel like if i do nothing <laughs> that'll be fine but if i was to try and do something and it didn't work out i'd be like oh it's all my fault so uh, i don't know i i don't actually like believe in superstitions even like even with those uh quirks i guess but um i'm just gonna hope for the best i i honestly don't know if we're gonna get a high one because look at who we're going to be going up against. I think it would have to be sheer luck that we did, but you never know. It's looking like a really good draft class, really good. And usually what that means is if there's like four or five great players right off the bat or prospects, that means that the ones that trail afterwards are still really good because in other years, when you have like one clear cut favorite, you can still get like a lot of, over like overlooked players that are really really good so this year there are a lot of names being tossed around a lot of names so to me that says i think we're going to be okay as long as we don't make a stupid pick that's how i agree and and if you were to choose someone to represent the raptors at the lottery who would you choose uh like you mean like player wise or it could be anyone. I, I think that the assumption for a lot of teams it is an exact so i mean i think the early assumption would be that it's Masai, but it could be Bobby. It could be a player like, oh, well, I don't know, OG Ananobi maybe? <laughs> well, Masai would be great because then that would be confirmation that he's perhaps staying. Yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah, I agree with you there. Otherwise, in a very stupid twist of fate, like let's say we just learn Masai is going to stay or we just know he's going to stay. Why don't we just have Navedia do it? Like, <laughs> that would be crazy just to see like, the extent that this super fan thing can go, like the world knows about it now, especially after the championship run. Everyone or after knows the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame. Well, especially there, after right? that, especially after that. So I think that would be crazy. <laughs> like uh, if you're just devoted to your team, this could be you too. It'll never be you. But <laughs> I, I think regardless, it's going to be excellent a view uh, an excellent viewing experience it's definitely going to be tense for for raptors fans we haven't had a, a lottery pick in quite some time and the last lottery pick that we did have uh, i believe was Jakob pertle turned into Kawhi leonard so exciting times all around on tuesday i think it'll be definitely appointment watching uh, i'm pretty sure I, I and i can't even remember i think this is one of those items that shams will probably ruin by by saying what the picks are before they get announced on television, I think. Regardless, I will use this opportunity to promote a, a friend of the pod and of Raptors HQ, Sean Woodley, who is holding a, I wouldn't even say it's a contest, but there is he's going to host a Zoom call along with his co-host of uh, basketball, uh, Katie Heindel. They're going to be hosting a Zoom call to watch this together, the draft lottery watch party. 
Uh, all you need to do to get access to the Zoom is to donate $25 or more to the Indian Residential School Survivors Society. Or you can also donate $25 or more to the International, uh, sorry, to the Islamic Relief Canada uh, Fund. So I have, I honestly cannot wait to take part in this. Obviously, it's a very good cause. And I, I do recommend, even if you don't want to take part in this watch party, that you do donate. And um, yeah, this is going to be fun on Tuesday. I cannot wait. I, I haven't been this hyped about a draft lottery in so long. Uh, and I think that that is a, an uplifting part to end this uh, this episode. Dre, before we, we sign things off, where can we, we find you, brother? You can find me on Twitter at Andreas Babs. You can follow my film, editorial, and review website, Filmsh Patel, F-I-L-M-S-F-A-T-L-E.com, no spaces. Yeah, you can also listen to The K-Cut, which is my movie podcast, which uh, we discuss all of this uh, geekery, I guess. And uh, yeah, if you love cinema, check out The K-Cut. Uh, where can we listen to, or sorry, where can we check out you? All right, you can find me on Twitter, at Rosalosaurus. You can find my work on Raptors HQ. I have promoted it a couple weeks ago. I still haven't posted it, but I am doing the season review for Gary Trent Jr. should be out shortly, as well as the versus battle with Shea, with Fred Van Vliet and Shea Gilch Alexander. Uh, that should also be coming out fairly soon. So look out for those in Raptors HQ. You can find this podcast and all your podcatchers. Just look up That's a Rap Pod. And that's where you'll find us. I've got other things to promote and I can't remember what. Oh yes, get vaccinated. Both Dre and I have received our second vaccinations. We are doing swimmingly. Mm-hmm. No side effects. Please get your vaccinations. I love seeing these numbers dropping in terms of those contracting COVID or getting it. And I love seeing the vaccination numbers go up. As uncomfortable as it is, as it is to watch people line up to get vaccinations, it's also uplifting to see that people are doing what they can to get vaccinated because hot vax summer is here. Patios are opening, and hopefully we'll be celebrating a Raptors number one draft pick, possibly, very soon. So on that note, thank you for listening. Jason, we miss you, buddy. We'll look forward to you being back on the episode next week. And on that note, that's a wrap.